Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. I want to talk to you about hope, the power of hope. As long as there's life, there is hope. Hope is something that sees the invisible, hope feels the intangible, and hope can achieve the impossible. In fact, the word impossible is too often slung around by people who really don't want to try to do anything. Listen, everything is impossible until somebody does it. Nobody could fly until Orville and Wilbur Wright, these two brothers, did it. I thought, Orville, would you, you wouldn't believe where we are today. I took off from Dallas, flew up to 40,000 feet, eight hours, 30 minutes, landed in Paris, Paris, France. I mean, they could not imagine their little bitty 100-yard flight, 20 seconds or something, would achieve something so normal and huge today. It was impossible. Their father was a Methodist preacher. Mm, that explains a lot to me. And he said if God wanted men to fly, he would have given them wings. No, sir, he gave them a brain to think and be creative. And they put wings on them, and the rest is history. Nobody wanted a computer. Nobody had any need for a computer. There wouldn't be a need for more than 20 in the nation, so they told Bill Gates. Well, the rest is history. And then Steve Jobs. Thank you, Steve. I love you, Steve Jobs. I can take that around the world. I never carry a briefcase anymore. I used to carry a briefcase, and paper is made out of wood. Some of you didn't know that, but it is. So it's quite heavy when you carry all those messages and information around, not knowing what you might be asked to do. Now, I just carry an iPad and go around the world. I can access anything, anywhere, anytime. But that wasn't possible until somebody thought it was and set out to do it from a garage. What's possible? What's imp what are you calling impossible? See, let, let me give you a Bible illustration, something really, really impossible. You know, the man Abraham is my illustration. He's almost 100. His wife's 90. And God says to him, I'm going to give you a kid. And your seed is going to be as the stars of the heaven, sand of the sea. You think about that. Because in his years as a male, when he could produce a child, his wife, Sarah, could not. He went on and had a child with an Egyptian housewife that's caused us trouble ever since. But she's... she's she wasn't able to bear any children as well. So now you've got a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man. How many of you think that's looking bad? And God went down and took a womb that was dead and a physical body and Abraham that was dead. And one more time, he struck the life fire and Isaac, the son of laughter, was born. And out of Isaac came Jacob. Out of Jacob came 12 sons. Those 12 sons produced 12 tribes. Those 12 tribes became the nation of Israel. That nation of Israel produced prophets. They produced the kings. They brought forth Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And today, Abraham's seed is as the stars of heaven and the sands of the sea. Don't ever say anything is impossible with God. He can turn rocks into bran muffins if he wants to. That's the kind of power he wields, right? 
Hope is putting faith to work when doubting would be a lot easier. And we are in a nation of doubt and hopelessness and despair. It's a it's a really bad time. Mental illness, emotional breakdown, uh, ministers quitting the, the pulpit, young people, children having all kinds of emotional problems. It's not a good day. And so hope, the Bible says, makes not ashamed. Would you say that with me? Hope makes not ashamed. That means if you're hoping in God and in his infallible word, you will not be ashamed at the outcome. People may say, and usually do, you've lost your mind. That'll never happen. It'll happen if you put your faith to it. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when it comes true, the Bible says it's a tree of life. Hope is the companion of power and the mother of success. There is more hope for a confessed sinner than there is a conceited saint. And you ought to put that on your refrigerator because it's true. Yeah. Well, do you have hope? Do you have hope for the future? I know if you watch the news, I know if you talk to people, it looks bad at this season in life, but I still have hope for a great future. And, I, and God said so. He says, I'm going to give you a hope and a future. That's a guarantee. Okay. Now, you may not be in the best day of your life right now, but buckle up, buttercup. It's coming. All right. I have hope for better days. Do you have hope for your children? Do you have hope for your marriage? Do you have hope for your health? Do you have hope for that business problem that you're going through? See, people are not limited from Scripture by where they're born. People are not limited by their race or color of their skin. You can see exceptions all through Scripture. People are limited by the size of their hope. If you can, you know, if you think you can't, you can't. And if if you think you won't, you won't. And if you think you can, you can with God's help. Nothing is impossible to those who believe. Hope thou in God, David wrote. Not the government, not in some rich relative. Hope thou in God. Romans 15, verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm hoping gas prices go down. <laughs> come on, come on. But that's not going to determine whether I'm a happy man or not. See, I, I believe in the provision of God. So I don't care if it goes to $20 a gallon. He said, I will supply your need. And I've never doubted that. And so come heck or high water, he's going he's to help me through it. Now, he says, you're going to overflow with this joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not a little bit of hope, but you got so much it splashes over on everybody around you. Are you hopeless or hopeful when people are around you? Do you exude hope or hopelessness or despair? I hope it'll be hope that you exude out of your life. I, w I don't think there is a hopeless person here. There is not a hopeless situation. We serve the God of all hope. That's just not possible. You may not see the answer yet. You may not know. You may not get it with the people you're with. But if you'll hang out with God and his word, you'll walk out a hopeful person. So I've never looked at a situation that, well, there's no hope. There's always hope, right? Hope is a gift of God to a believer. Here's what Paul wrote in the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now abides faith, hope, and love. Those three are the keys to the presence of God. David writes in Psalms 42, 5, hope thou in God. 
Now, he's one thing that never changes. The administrations in Washington always change. They change their votes. They change what they said they didn't say they did say, and video shows it. So the governments are always changing. Laws are changing. Culture's changing. God says, I do not change. My word does not change. My word abides forever, and not one period or comma, one jot or tittle, shall uh, shall be moved from my word. Heaven and earth shall, shall fall away, but not one word that I say will, will fail you. So, so you have to ask yourself, where's your hope? Where, where's your hope? IBM? Chevron? I don't, I don't think so. No, my ultimate hope is in God. He loves me. He's going to care for me. He'll see me through whatever I have to face. So Jeremiah, I love this one. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It's one of my favorite verses. He says, I know the plans. This is God saying, I know the plans I have for you. They're good and they're not evil. And they're plans for your future and a hope. So God has a hope and a future for everybody in this room and everybody watching online. God puts you on this earth with a specific purpose. You are here to do something nobody else can do in your place. You have and I have a divine destiny. You have an unlimited potential within you because of the hope that you have in God and his word. The blessing that you cannot contain is possible when you begin to exercise hope. See, you have the favor of God in your future above your wildest dream. If you will walk out on faith on the wings of hope, you can do what other people say is impossible for you to do because it can be done. You know, I don't, I guess you're tired of hearing me say it, but today's hot tub, comfort demanding, self-centered, cell phone addictive Christians have forgotten the suffering endured by our spiritual forefathers. So Paul writes to young Timothy, hey, Tim, he says, endure hardness as a good soldier. Life has got a lot of hardness in it, folks, a lot of pain. And you get in the military, you don't get an exemption from death. You don't get a promise of air conditioning and great food and lodging. You, you will have to suffer in some cases. You've just given your life away. And so God tells us, hey, little buttercup, everything isn't pretty. Everything isn't coming up roses. You are going to have some bad days and some bad times. In this world, you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. We're going to get through it. And you've got to know that. So can you endure hardness or do you just fall apart as soon? Well, I don't know how that's going to affect us. I don't know if we can do it on the budget. I don't know what's going to happen. The food prices now have gone up. Gas is going up every other day. It went from 329 the one two days ago when I gassed one car up to 350 the next day I gassed up. So I told Cindy, don't come tell me when that light goes on. Let's let's keep it. Let's keep it up, up close to the, the lower numbers on price per gallon, right? Okay. Romans 12, verse 10 says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. You might want to do that if you're sitting next to somebody pretty and single. I'm just seeing if you're listening to me, okay? Have you ever considered the power of a hug to somebody with a heavy heart or a broken heart. Medical science says now hugs are healthy. It helps your immune system. It cures depression. It reduces stress. It induces sleep. It's invigorating. It's rejuvenating. And it has no side effects that are unpleasant. 
Hugging is now called by the medical perception a miracle drug. It's not artificial. Its ingredients are 100% wholesome. Hugging is the ideal gift. It's great for every occasion. You can give it and you can receive it. It, it comes with its own wrappings. And of course, it's fully returnable. See, when we open our hearts and our arms, we encourage others to do the same. Think about all the people in your life. You know, when the pain of life is unbearable, words fail. But you can hug somebody in a time of suffering or great loss or sorrow and bring healing when words just don't work. You know, I've had the unpleasant, unpleasant experience several times to either go to a hospital or a home where a child has died. And I want to tell you, nothing can be more heartbreaking than that. You can't look at people and quote some verse and expect them to heal a heart. You know, all you can do is hug them, hold them, sob with them, because that is medicinal. Don't say, I know what you're feeling, because you don't. Hold them close until they stop shaking and the tears stop flowing and the healing power of God touches them. See, when we open our hearts and our arms, we encourage others to do the same thing. Hugs have healing power of hope. See, try that. And by the way, you know, sometimes one, the bro, us brothers are, are good at this, but if one of our brothers has gone through a tragedy or a loss or a divorce or something, Sometimes there's just no cute words to say, and you just walk up to somebody and give them a bear hug, or you put your arm around their shoulder, and it's, it's speaking. I'm with you. I love you. I'm not going anywhere. If you need me, I'm right here, and I'm praying for you. Yeah. Just a good hug, right? Yeah. yeah. You say, well, we didn't hug in my family. Well, your family was wrong. Okay, you should hug. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You... You need to change families, okay? You need to hug, right? The first recorded promise in the Bible about hope is that the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. That's the first promise. The word of hope came from God the Father to us. And here's what Jesus said. Upon this rock, that's speaking of himself, have I built my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, the gates of hell is an expression for the government of Satan. The government of Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy every person in this audience and every person watching online. Yeah. The seed of the woman, that's Jesus Christ, crushed the head. Now, that word head is not skull. It's headship. It's a government term. See, Satan is very much alive. Hello? Yeah, he's very much alive, roaming about to and fro, seeking whom he'd destroy. So what does he mean he crushed his head? He didn't have a skull. He's a spiritual being. It crushed his head ship. He had government authority. When Adam sinned, he lost the mandate of government control over this earth and world. So first Adam sinned. Last Adam, Jesus, came back, won back everything Adam, the first Adam, lost, and now gives us back the right to have government authority over the enemy. So he can, he's alive and well, but he has no real governmental authority over me. His headship has been crushed, so he doesn't have legal right to take me down. But I have to use God's word, Jesus' name, and I have to resist the enemy. I have a part to play. But I, I know now he has no right to do this, but he will do it if I don't fight him, if I don't resist him. So it's really important you get in the battle. So the victory, because of Jesus at the cross, 
is ours. Well, what kind of a victory? Victory over death, hell, and the grave. I don't fear death anymore. I have eternal life. I don't fear hell. My punishment has already been laid on Jesus Christ. And I don't fear the grave because he rose from the dead. And he says, because I live, you shall live also. So I, I, I have hope beyond hope. We have victory over the spirit of witchcraft. It's destroying our country, and it's rampant right now. Have you noticed how demonology and witchcraft sweep this nation? The three signs of witchcraft are intimidation, manipulation, and domination. It is, if I were to define it, it is using an illegitimate authority to get your way, to get what you want. So you intimidate somebody or you manipulate somebody to get what you want illegitimately so you can dominate them. You are not allowed to do it in marriage. You're not allowed to do it in life as a believer. Our government will do it. Others are doing it to intimidate us, to force us to do what we don't want to do. Sometimes that's witchcraft. That's witchcraft. Now, you can get what you need righteously, but you can't use illegitimate authority. Does that make sense? Well, the boss says to the secretary, if you don't sleep with me, you're not going to get that promotion and I'll find somebody else. What's that? Intimidation. Why? To get what he wants at the loss of somebody else. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Memo. Appreciate it. That goes on all the time. Don't let anybody intimidate you or manipulate you. I've watched even preachers do it sometimes, you know, they'll try to manipulate you to get either get money or something. That's it's right to receive money for the right cause, but not illegitimately. They can't, they can't, they can't just manipulate you and take a scripture and take it out of context and twist it so that it sounds too good to be true to get something they want, uh, illegitimately. Does that make sense? That's witchcraft. That's what I know you're thinking witchcraft is some voodoo and smoke and all. No, no, no. It's, it's just a, it's a bad spirit that, that uses illegitimate means to get what it wants. Okay. You resist it. If you, I've preached on it before. You can, I got a 30 minute sermon on all three words. You, if you see it in your family, if you see it in any area that you work in, you stomp on it and you crush it, get it out because it'll destroy every relationship you have. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, now faith is being sure of what you hope for. Faith is being sure of what you hope for. It's not wishful thinking. It's an absolute certainty. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. I'll come back to those two words in just a second. When you take away hope, Life with all of its opportunities is reduced to just a treadmill of existence with no hope. Life becomes bleak. Life becomes drab. Life becomes a burden without hope. Life is joyless. People say you can live, you know, maybe three days without water. You can live uh, 30 days without food, but you can't live a minute without hope. There's never ending pain for people without hope. They sink into depression. They have despair. Life becomes meaningless. Don't let that be you. In the life of every believer, there is hope for tomorrow. There's hope for the supernatural breakthrough that you've been asking God for. There's hope for divine healing for your body or the body of somebody in your family. There's hope for a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter to come back home. There is hope. There's hope that God will send that special person into your life, single person. 
Quit acting like a poison bulldog. Maybe somebody will like you. God's word spoken in the mouth of a believer is not a wish. It's a divine command of spiritual authority. And before that command, demons tremble. When you pray what's written in God's word, the gates of hell shake, not because of you, because of the authority you represent. Before that command, angels bow. Before that command, wind and waves obey. Before that command, sickness and disease disappear. Before that command, poverty, which is a curse, is crushed. Before that command, darkness is defeated. Before that command, victory comes. I'm talking about a life that is absolutely, unbelievably prosperous in the things of God because that's the will of God for every person in this room and watching online. That, I think it was 40 years ago when I learned the power of confessing God's Word. And I started off just writing it on a legal pad and carrying it around and quoting it. And then pretty soon you, you memorize it and it's in your heart and in your spirit and you can just walk around and speak it all the time. And you never know where you're going to need to be speaking it. Maybe some in the office went on. Maybe you got an email. Maybe something happens with one of the kids. Something's at school. You or the doctor said something that's uh, caused for a little bit of alarm. And you're going to you're not going to say, well, whatever will be will be. Are you kidding me? No. Open your big yap and confess God's word. Thank you, Lord, you sent your word to heal me, to deliver me from all my destructions. Your words are life and health to all my flesh. I thank you. Of course, at my age, I pray what God said to Abraham, let not my natural forces be abated, nor let my eyes grow dim. He told Moses that. I, well, go ahead, dry up if you want to. I'm not. I mean, I just saturated. I walk that dog in the morning early after a cup of coffee. I, I, I curse every foul thing. I bless every good thing. And I, may, I imagine Lily, my dog, wonders, what is he doing? <laughs> I, I am praying for situations, for people, for my life. I'm praying for the future, praying to stay in good health, decreeing that no weapon formed against me shall prosper, no plague shall come near my dwelling. For God's sake, do something besides watching news and worry. Yeah. See, get some hope in you. So what role does the Word of God play in your life? The devil's not afraid of a believer. He's got a Bible, got dust on it. Yeah. He, he might be afraid of a Bible that's falling apart because you got a life that's not. See, you're, you're using that Word. Now, other books usually are for information, but the Bible is a book given for transformation. Other books you read, but that book, the Bible, reads me. See, most men don't reject the Bible because it contradicts itself. They hate it because it contradicts them and what they're doing. See, no one ever graduates from Bible study till you meet the author face to face. Horace Greeley once said, it is impossible to mentally or socially enslave a Bible reading people. So you can't get, I don't care what uh, ABC, NBC, Fox, or CNN, I don't care what that bubblehead that's being paid says. If it doesn't pass through Scripture, it doesn't get into my mind. It does not go into my acceptance. It is, I reject it completely. You can't take, you could throw me in prison, but you can't take me captive. You can't take my mind. I know better. You will not enslave me. You will not patronize me. You will not intimidate me. You will not bewitch me. See, why? I, 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 I know God's Word. 
you're learning God's word little by little too. And the more you use it, the more it, you'll have a, a wider expansion of life. Hope is based on substance and evidence. St. Paul writes in Hebrews 11:1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Substance and evidence. When you have substance and evidence, you're not talking about wishful thinking. Hope for the believer is based on the evidence found in God's Word. Hope is based on the substance of what God has done in the past. And if He's done it in the past, He will do it now. Oh, I don't know, Rick. God doesn't do that anymore. Well, contradict me with Scripture in Hebrews 13. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If He did it in Jerusalem, He'll do it in San Antonio. Nothing's changed. He said, I haven't stopped doing anything, miracles or healing. He says, you've stopped believing or you're listening to the wrong voices. So think about that. My hope is anchored to the never failing promises of God because they're eternal, immutable. Heaven and earth shall pass away. My word shall never pass away. And his provision is always in his promise. His provision is always in his promise. His promise. You got a promise in this book, the Bible. It's nuclear energy when you pray it out of your mouth under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Don't hope God answers prayer. I know God answers prayer. There's substance. Here's the evidence. When Daniel prayed, God muzzled the mouths of those hungry lions. Now, let me say this. I bet you Daniel prayed more on the way down in that pit than he did the whole year. I thought if we could throw some of you who say, I can't pray, I don't know how to pray. I bet if I put four hungry lions in front of you, you'd figure out a way to pray. I, I, I guarantee you, you could do it. You just need motivation, that's all. Yeah, I don't know why we don't think Daniel was thinking the same thing, right? <laughs> and God shut their mouths, right? Later, those same lions devoured the enemies of Daniel that had him thrown in there. You better not pick on anybody who knows how to pray. It may, it may do serious damage to your life. Elisha prayed, and God sent fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice that had been watered with buckets of water. And then he ran, you ready for it? 40 miles in front of the king's chariot. 40 miles in front of main horses and, uh, and chariots. I felt like running a mile yesterday, but I sat down until that feeling passed. I didn't do it. Prayer, prayer, prayer is not getting God ready to do your will. It's getting you ready to do God's will. I don't hope there's a better world tomorrow. I know from Scripture there is a promise of a better world tomorrow. I don't hope God delivers. I know God delivers. The three Hebrew children walked through the fire without the smell of smoke on them. The Bible, put this one on your refrigerator. Psalms 34, verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. How many? Many are the affliction of the righteous. But God shall deliver them out of them all. In this world you shall have tribulation. You're not telling me anything I don't know. My cars break down. Our house has stuff that goes bad or something has been installed bad, and then you have to pay for it later. I mean, I'm not immune to the very same things you are as well. I, I just handed American Airlines lady my ticket through plexiglass and tore off the whole top of my hand. And I, I mean, I could have said, why me? <laughs> 
I'm on my way. I'm on my way to minister good news. And you let me rip my whole hand open. That thought occurred to me, okay? <laughs> I did not say that. I'm just reminded, Rick, you're not exempt from tribulation or a bad day. I'm going to get through it. God's going to take me and be okay, but I still have bad days. And so will you. So will you. There's nothing wrong with you. Trouble is common to everybody. See? So he says, I will deliver you out of them all. How many? All. A-L-L. So David said, hope thou in God. Are you in the fight of your life? Are you in a fight for your life? Be of good cheer. Be bold. Be strong. For the Lord your God is with you. I'm quoting scripture. Keep the faith. Fight the good fight. Endure to the end. If God be for you, who can be against you? No plague shall come near your dwelling. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. God is our fortress. He is our high tower. He is our shield. He is our buckler. He is our deliverer. He is the lifter of my head. Nothing is impossible to those that believe and are called according to his purposes. And what God has done, God will do, because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I hope in God. How about giving the Lord a big shout, just for a minute. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Well, hope brings joy. Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God of all hope fill you with all joy, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy is proof of the presence of God in your life. Now, that's kind of an indictment against a lot of Christians I know. They rarely smile, never laugh. Uh, they don't, about anything, you know, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't mean you're holy because you don't. It just means you're not in touch with God. In his presence is fullness of joy. If you're in his presence, you're happy. It's going to come out. It looks bad now. It's going to be okay. How many times have I turned to my wife in a bad situation and said, honey, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Every husband in here learned that. It's going to be, you don't know how in Hades it's going to be all right, but it's going to be all right. You're the spiritual heart. You said, Lord, help me. Yeah. But you tell her it's going to be all right because it will be. It will be. It has a shelf life. It's going to end. I promise you. See, the fact is joy is proof of God's presence in every life. I told you this several years ago, but a Baptist deacon went to his company business party being very naive. He drank a lot of punch that was spiked. He went home drunk. He woke up the next morning with a fierce headache. He opened his eyes. He saw two aspirin on the nightstand. He took them. He went into the bathroom, looked in the mirror, and he had a huge black eye. There was a note on that mirror from his wife, and it said, sweetheart, your breakfast is on the kitchen table, bacon, eggs, toast, jelly, and coffee. I've gone shopping for your favorite food for supper. Be back soon. Love your loving wife. His son came into the room and the father said, what happened last night? He said, dad, you came home at three o'clock in the morning. You fell down and broke the coffee table when you fell flat on your face. Mom was helping you into the bedroom. You hit the door. It explains your black eye. As mom was pulling off your trousers and trying to get you into the bed, you started screaming, leave me alone, I'm a married man. And the, and the son continued, for breaking the coffee table, 400 bucks. For two aspirin, 35 cents. For saying the right thing at the right time, priceless. Priceless. Joy unspeakable. See, we live in the world searching for joy. 
Our nation's searching for joy. People are trying it with drugs and alcohol, materialism, pornography. The church of Jesus Christ needs to learn the supernatural power in shouting for joy. Now, I'm going to close at this part, but this is the most important part. Shouting for joy in the Bible is a weapon of supernatural warfare. Quote that. Psalms 149, I memorized this years ago, verse 5 through 9, says, let the saints, that's you, be joyful. Let the high praises of God, that's a shout, that's loud. Let the shout of God be in their mouth as a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and to punish the ungodly, to bind kings with chains and nobles with fetters of iron, to execute judgment upon those violating the word of God. Those are principalities and powers that bother us. And he says, you can exercise judgment on them. Your shout and your praise to God releases God to go to war with your enemies on your behalf. Listen to this verse. By the way, this is in the Episcopal Bible, the Methodist Bible, the Catholic Bible, the Protestant Bible, the Baptist Bible. You ready? Psalms 47.1. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph, not despair, triumph. And I've done that in the yard so many that thank you, God, that you purchased my healing. I have a legal right to be well, and I rebuke whatever this thing might be in Jesus' name. Shout it out loud. Thank you. You are my healer. See? So I hear people say, well, that's Pentecostal. Excuse me. That's Bible, knucklehead. That's clear scripture. If it's Bible, it's for all of us. That's not one group. That's all of us. How many of you would like for God Almighty to declare war on your enemies? You know, let God break down the walls in your life. Let God slay the giants that are challenging you right now. Let God scatter your enemies like chaff from a threshing floor in the summer. You know, let God be God. Let God be God for the next 10 seconds. Can we give God just a big shout of joy just for a minute? Lord, we bless you. We honor you. We glorify you. Praise your great name. There is no name above your name. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.